Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to The Daily Break. I'm Andrew Tallman. Here's what's happening today at Newsweek. Space junk. Yes, One of these ever-growing problems dealing with our exploration of space is the fact that a lot of things that are in orbit around the Earth are not functional anymore. And when you put things up in space, sometimes bits and pieces come off and they don't just disappear because you wish they weren't there anymore. In fact, there's more than 28,000 objects in orbit right now that we're tracking, according to the European Space Agency, many of which are very, very small, even as small as two inches. But at thousands of miles an hour, something two inches big can create a real problem for satellites or the International Space Station. And so figuring out what to do with this ever-growing problem is a real challenge. Over the years, people have proposed magnets, you know, to sort of go along through the orbit and attract things, harpoons to spear them and draw them in. But now we have a proposal from one researcher that would be a little bit more sci-fi sounding, which is lasers. Now, if you understand the nature of the problem, your first thought is lasers are not a solution because if we blast things into bits like in Buck Rogers, eat lead, sucker. That doesn't make for less space debris. That makes for more space trash. But that's not what they're talking about doing. Tadanori Fukushima is a project leader at the Satellite Orbital State Control Laser Laboratory within the Japanese satellite communications company Sky Perfect JSAT. And his goal is not to blast things into a million bits. That makes the problem worse. Instead, he just wants to move them gently out of the way by raising the heat on the surface of the debris enough that it moves itself away from the Earth, seems a little counterintuitive because like we were talking about the other day, you typically shove space trash toward the Earth so it burns up on re-entry. But basically, he just wants to move it out of the dangerous orbit into what they call the graveyard orbit, a region of space which is still around the Earth but is far enough away that it won't interfere with commercial objects that are using the functioning orbit. And in fact, this is something we already do with existing satellites when they're getting to the end of their functional lifespan and are about to be decommissioned. The last little bit of their fuel is actually used to power a thruster that pushes them up out of the geosynchronous orbits that they're in into that kind of graveyard space, making them safe and freeing up a position for something else functional to take over. But I think we all understand that heating something gently with a laser so that the height of its orbit increases to the point where it's no longer a danger is far less exciting than... And now from another portion of space, or at least another aspect of space, it's the question of extraterrestrials, aliens, little green men, or, if you want to adopt the new term for UFOs, unidentified aerial phenomena, UAPs, that the United States government is now officially acknowledging exists, and we've now had open hearings on the question. Now, it's 
Left a lot more questions than answers, quite frankly, but it is an interesting move in the culture that they're trying to normalize these things so that people feel more comfortable about saying what they have seen and therefore getting more information so we can really know what we're dealing with. But it's not just the United States that is doing this. Other countries are getting into what is starting to look like a weird space race for the discovery of extraterrestrial intelligence. Dmitry Rogozin, the head of Russia's space agency Roscosmos, has suggested that his country, too, is giving at least some official recognition to these kinds of reports. Now, the claim may be dubious since Rogozin is a controversial figure known for making sensational claims, particularly in the context of the ongoing war with Ukraine. But if he's saying something, maybe that means a shift with Russia as well. He told Russian state TV channel Russia 24 that if we talk about specific facts of the so-called UFO sightings, which might have taken place on Earth throughout the history of mankind, which NASA speaks about, he would like to say that these studies have been conducted and are being conducted by the Russian Academy of Science, among others. China also is getting into the game. They have a massive 500-meter aperture spherical telescope, FAST, radio observatory, the biggest of its kind in the world. Major European powers like Germany, France, Britain haven't really done much in this regard, but the Italians have made a little bit of effort toward a SETI experiment or search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Now, some folks think that it's not really a competition in the same way that other things might be because, well, for one thing, there's so much uncertainty. I mean, we could all be looking for the next hundred years and find nothing. But to my way of thinking, it's sort of like everything else. It's better to be first than it is to be later. Who knows what special deal we might have to arrange with the alien overlords, and you want to be on the first round of negotiations in that situation, I think. And finally, from the I-bet-you-didn't-know-this-but file, a recent survey of 9,400 hybrid and remote workers across 11 countries, including 1,000 right here in the United States, revealed that Americans are more likely to find texts that do not have emojis in them to be lacking. 71% of Americans said that if a text message does not contain an emoji, there's something missing in it, whereas globally, the embrace of emojis is a little bit lower, 57%. Speaking as someone who never uses emojis, I find this abhorrent. This is disturbing. There's a reason I don't use them, and mostly it's because I know how to use words, and I know what the words say, which raises the point. When people use emojis... That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. There's often confusion. Their research conducted by one poll on behalf of Duolingo and Slack in partnership for World Emoji Day, which comes up on Sunday. Yes, that's a real thing. Apparently, the concern is founded because people misunderstand what other people mean by emojis. For instance, the loudly crying emoji looks very much like the face with tears of joy emoji. And when you send people the loudly crying emoji, 25% of them think that I'm crying tears of joy. The exact same number is think that you're sobbing, upset, or crying. So laughing in real pain versus laughing in humor are very different messages to communicate, and people misunderstand. The little skull emoji, 38% of Americans say that represents death, but 34% also said that it means something is super funny, as in they're dead. But that leaves 28% of people with a completely different interpretation. I don't know what that is. 
If a coworker, for example, and that was kind of the context of this study, is the appropriateness of using emojis in workplace communication. If a coworker sends you an eggplant emoji, beware, it may not mean what some people think. 21% of people said that an eggplant is just an eggplant. But how often do eggplants come up in casual conversation? Eh, I'm not sure I'm buying it. 34% of Americans surveyed said that they would send an eggplant to show they're feeling flirty. What do the other 66% intend? I'm still not clear. Perhaps it's ratatouille time? Then you have things like the money with wings emoji. Well, is it money flying away or is it money flying in? A lot of confusion on this topic. One thing that there seems to be clear agreement about is if you use emojis, the recipient will tend to feel closer to you than if you don't. Another thing people agree about is when communicating with your boss via text message, the kiss, the tongue, the poop, and yes, the eggplant are really bad ideas. But I'll tell you that for me, like I said, I prefer words because I know what the words mean and there's less ability to confuse people with words. But there's a completely different reason that I don't like to use emojis in my texts. I'm getting older and my eyes, I can't see them. (laughs) So when people send me like five emojis in a text, my first response is I can't make out what those are anyway. And even if I could, I wouldn't be able to decode it. So if you ask me, my theory is that there is a hefty dose of ageism built into the bias in favor of emojis. But no, I'm not going to tell you to stop using them. You can stay right where you are on my lawn. It's fine. Just don't expect me to respond in kind. That's it for the Daily Break. Be sure to head over to Newsweek.com for these stories and more, including our growing podcast lineup. Consider subscribing to the digital and print editions of Newsweek and this podcast if you haven't already. Hit the five smiley face blowing a kiss heart emoji for me if you would, please. I appreciate it. I'm Andrew Tallman. Thanks for listening to the Daily Break, brought to you by Newsweek. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas... Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.